All right, let's get right to it. We've got a very special guest here. Born and raised in Montréal, Quebec, in the tiny neighborhood of Hampstead, Quebec. Um, started off as a pure hustler right out of university. Chasen Hunter was the co-founder at the time and then made a switch and realized a much bigger opportunity was out there. It took him some time. He's going to tell us all about it. He's the chief rover officer at Midday Squares, resident social personality. In other words, he is the guy in Montreal that makes all the noise for the boys and girls. Welcome to the New Gen Mindset Podcast, Jake Carls. Woo! Fire the fuck up. By the way, am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Say whatever you okay. want, man. It's a free-flowing conversation. Okay, cool. I love it. So thanks for that intro, first of all. Uh, that, was, that was quite wild. Uh, I love the transition from chasing Hunter to the big opportunity. Um, so you're inching towards the topic, which is great. Uh, yeah, no, I, I've known Daniel for quite a while now, and Nick, we just met. Um, so I'm super jazzed up to be on it. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have a good time. I want you guys to get deep with it. You know, like I think we can get into some yes. nitty gritty stuff with, you know, modern day business, you know, yeah. like modern ways of doing yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, entrepreneurship, I is not, you know, there's not enough about entrepreneurship out there right now. No. Um, and, and I'm not talking about the hustle porn stuff. I'm talking about like the real unfiltered, dirty version of entrepreneurship. There's not enough realness to it anymore and i think that people need it now more than ever because there's so many people starting amazing things you know and i started Um, to realize and something that you support something that you guys at midday and you yourself as your own character and everything is the brand the story of whoever it is is whoever's running a business and whatever that business is is so important people want a story nowadays more than ever before that's why branding has become such a forte and such a a forefront and everything e-commerce who are you if we don't know who you are people are not going to stay with you and i i see as your rover guy you're the guy at the front so you see it, man. You're the, you're, you're the personality. You're out there. You're doing stuff. And you guys, you're giving a voice to the company, which is good. And I definitely respect that. Yeah, dude. Like, storytelling is so underrated in, in yeah. today's world. Like, I don't understand why brands don't storytell. Like, they hide from the truth. It's harder to lie. And it's more energy to lie every single day than to tell the truth. So, like, we decided from day one. From day one, it was a signed deal between the three of us, me and my two partners who are my family members, my sister and my brother-in-law. Yeah, they're married. And we decided from day one, we need to film every single thing that happens. Bad, good, ugly, amazing, whatever happens, film it, put it in the drive, Google Drive, and whatever we do with it, we do with it. But let's make sure that nothing's off the table. And I think that like, I don't understand why every business doesn't do that. It's like, there's so much juice. You know, here, here's one thing that I think midday squares has, and I can attest to this because first of all, you guys just launched your new product. Uh, I need to go buy that right now. I still haven't done it. So punch me in the face for that. But you guys have an exceptional product. And when you have a product that is that good and caters to a specific demographic, which you guys have clearly been doing an absolutely incredible job with the rest of it. And like you said, the storytelling just builds that. Brand that's the actually. cherry on top. That, that exactly. yields, that's the sustainability aspect of the business. There else you fade away because then trends come along. It pushes you aside. But when you become part of the culture, you can't, you can't be pushed out. You know, it's funny you said, so yeah. So 
these we know like you can't just expect a storytell and then not have a good product market fit and and you need that return customer they could fall in love with you they could fall in love with the brand they could do everything but you need to have a, a real foundational product yeah. that could last through whatever hard times come or good times whatever it is so for me it's like we know that eventually one day let's say one day one of the conglomerates can potentially figure out how to reverse engineer our bars and create them at an automation. Obviously, it would take a little bit of time because they're bureaucracies. All these conglomerates are like, you know, they're in their red own head. They're, they're in their own head. You know, they're, they have that red tape. But what they can't copy, and I'll tell you now, is they can't copy the ability to be the three of us. And what I mean by that oh. is we naturally storytell the journey of our entrepreneurship. So what I mean by that is everything that happens is shown. And the consumer relates to it at a deeper level than just eating chocolate. Even though chocolate's nostalgic, we all love eating chocolate or nine out of 10 people do. And that's one thing, but if you hit them on a double emotional factor yep. where they're getting smoked with the happiness of eating chocolate, but then smoked with the idea of, I love this, what they're all about. I, I feel like I'm part of what's going on in, in the day to day. They start to want to tell people naturally for you. And I call them sneezers. These people become sneezers. And I don't, you know, no pun intended with the, what's going on. <laughs> with, COVID. <laughs> with COVID. With COVID. But sneezing is like yeah. the idea of, okay, you go, you try the bar, you know us, you, you, got, you wouldn't believe these people. They send us a personalized note. They send us a video. You don't understand. They're naturally marketing for you. All you're doing is storytelling what's actually happening, giving them a good product, and they're doing the rest for you. Businesses forget about that today, and that's a big problem, you it, know? It, and it, it just bothers me, and I see it all the time. The culture, honestly, you, it's what you said right there is most successful companies have always focused on ensuring that there's a culture within and a, within all their stakeholders, whether you're a consumer, you're an employee, your management, your investors, your creditors, no matter what it is, you need a culture because a culture gives you an alignment and it allows you to penetrate deeper and deeper after. And yeah. Montreal, look, I'm, I, I've only know you guys because of the fact that in my area in the East End, which is have which my network is primarily Italians here. Everybody posts you all the time. I see you on a weekly basis, but I've never met you and I've never even tried your product yet. And I definitely will. You need and to. I know that. <laughs> and I definitely will. Put because that on your I, bucket list. Next, I, right because now. during COVID I wasn't working out. So I wasn't buying any protein stuff. So I was being lazy. Now I'm back into the program and this and that. So my protein bars, I'm going to try yours out and it'll probably become my protein bar. But I love Montreal, so yeah. Montreal built it for you and you guys are killing it. So we used, I think, I think you're right. I think you hit the spot. We chose Montreal, A, because it's our backyard. You know, we grew up here. The three of us grew up here. You know, I went to Western University in Ontario for a bit, which I built a great network there. But Montreal was the choice because it's like, if we can't do it in our own backyard, then we ain't going to be able to do it anywhere because Montreal is a very hard market. Quebec is a very hard market to win. And if you could win that market, you could, it's a lot easier to get people to like your product in other markets. And that's because Quebec is very, very attached to local products and very attached to the community here. So, you know, when we started winning here, we obviously used our original community of, you know, where I grew up, I went to high school, you know, those people, my family, friends to push the beginning. But after that, if you don't get that, that secondary domino effect, you're done. And I'll tell you why, because, you know, family and friends is great to make some noise and it's, it, it, it helps a lot. Don't get me wrong. And we appreciate the people that helped us at the beginning, 
But if you can't, it always comes back to if you can't have that product that works in other in in the market, you're never going to get that continued growth. And when we start to see the different populations, like you know, you're from the East End, which is far from my community, not far, but in far from Montreal terms, um, you know, we start to see people buying it there. We start to realize we had something to play with, and that we could we could we we don't just get our community buying it. It's not just our my best friends, you know, saying they're going to buy it online, you know, or it's our our, our local friendly baking shop that's buying our product. It starts to be more other people. We have no idea who they are, and as time grows, what's interesting about business and entrepreneurship is the support starts to come tremendously from people you don't know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a select group of people that stay with you at the beginning and, you know, they're there for you and they support you. And there's this massive group of what I call community, real community, that comes from out of nowhere. People like you, who I don't even know, and I just met tonight, who support and talk about the brand and talk positive. Because positivity is huge. If you don't have that positivity, man, you, you can't be, it, it's so hard entrepreneurship on itself. Imagine being surrounded by negativity, you know? Yeah. So, so, you know, I, like you said, culture is extremely important and community is, I think those things. You guys, you guys, you own credit to yourself too, though, because your behavior and your character and the way you portray yourself is a huge factor of how I assess culture, especially at the top. When I look at management, because it's always a top line effect when you're studying a company. So if I'm looking at a company, who's the top line? Look at the management. Look at who's running. Well, we'll get it to the uh, Rover because that, you know that's obviously a title that I know you created yourself. And it has its own representative. So you can explain that after. But it's who you are as a management and how you behave has a huge impact on how you develop that storyline. So how you behave, watching you, looking at your stuff... You, t- you tell me a lot, which is why I was able to go from there and think positively about your business. You know, it's hard, but you know, it's also very hard to find talent that fits. You know, you could find the most talented people in the world and they just might not fit the culture that you're trying to see. And you don't want to change your culture. Yeah. And we've, we've had a hard time hiring, let me tell you, because our culture is very wild, crazy everything's on the table. You're filmed at all times. If you come, if you work with us, you sign a paper that anything can be filmed and shown about you, no matter what it is. If you're getting fired, it could be shown. If you're, if you made a massive mistake that costs the company a hundred thousand, we can single and show it out. That's because that, that is real business. And we make that our culture and people just don't fit in that. Certain people don't fit and we've made our mistakes and we've, it's costed us. It's costed us a lot in terms of capital, energy, resources, just dealing with that. And you know, so we find it very hard to hire, but we stay very true to our culture. Like if you come into our facility, which you guys both will, you know, after COVID, you guys will both come see the facility and the factory and everything. You see the first thing on the wall says, if it's not fuck yeah, then it's no. And we swear we do all this shit. I love you. You can't, you can't be here. You know, and we're the same as we are in person, as we are on camera, as we are to our consumers, as we are to our buyers, as we are to our investors. And that's super important to be on the same page at all times. Yeah. People forget it. They try to change the pages for different people and it doesn't make any sense because I like, why I like can you be so out there. Well, the you know, one, you have to be. The, the, the one thing that I would say though is, Jake, you've done probably, at least from the people that I know from like our, our circle, you're probably the one, you're the only one I know that's so out there. And part of my French does not give a fuck, but you have so much positive, so much. you have so much positive energy. And I understand where that comes from. Cause you have that passion and you have that goal and you have that vision, 
right? That's the most important thing. I think a lot of the people, like a lot of our listeners, like they're trying to say, okay, how do I wake up in the morning and get fired up? You know, for me and Nick, it's the stock market. We love that stuff. That's what drives me every day. For you, it's like, how am I going to build the biggest functional chocolate bar company in the world? You know what I mean? So, so, so maybe, maybe just talk about that slightly. Like what, got you to that point like what the entrepreneur stuff because this is the entrepreneur stuff that a lot of people just don't understand and if they can hear it from you i find it's going to spark a tinder somewhere so yeah kozella i love that um so you're right first of all starting off with our inner circle like our our we have a we have a smaller circle and i think like you and i that we that we grew up in um you know a lot of people haven't gone out of that comfort zone and i find that that's a tough thing that a lot of entrepreneurs don't do is they start as an entrepreneur and then they just can't cross that uncomfortable line mm-hmm. and that leads to a lot of greatness and i always say you start you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because that's when the magic actually happens in whatever ha- what in whatever scenario happens it could be bad it could be good but magic happens my, my advice is I, yeah but my advice typically for what the original question you had was is what makes me up every day is purpose. And, you know, I didn't have purpose with Chase and Hunter and I had it at the beginning because I was so excited about, um, you know, just, just doing something by myself. Like, you know, I, I was doing a new business. I was trying to make people happy. I was selling clothing. You know, I was happy with $35 sales, you know, here and there, like once a week it would come in, you know, I was happy with that. But when midday squares came, I was actually in a bad place at the time. I got, I got broken up with by my, my ex-girlfriend at the time and I really had nothing else to do. And I was just like, I'm over chasing Hunter. I don't want to go to college campuses anymore. And I was like, I need to fit into something. I need to do something. And Leslie and Nick, my partners said, we want you to be our third partner and help us launch this and make noise. Just make noise, be you. And when I heard be you, it was like, like, what does that even mean? You know, what kind of job title? Like, you know, what is, what is job? Like you become a co-founder, but like they, like Nick was COO, Leslie was the CEO. There's like all these titles and I'm like this be you thing. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it for the sake of doing it. Joined in, gave my capital, didn't really give a flying fuck. Didn't even like chocolate, to be honest. Um, <laughs> loved candy. <laughs> and then I started doing me. And what I mean by that is it was carte blanche. It was go out there, make fucking noise. That's all it was. Build relationships, make noise. When I started doing that, and I was so ultra focused in doing what it was that I do best, and I found out that that's what I do best by the help of others, by making me realize that I need to be with people. When I started being with people, I woke up every morning excited to leave my bed at 5.30 in the morning and be on the road till 8 p.m., 9 p.m., 10 p.m. It didn't make a difference. I didn't give a flying fuck about anything else but doing that. And why that's so important for entrepreneurs is I'm going to give advice. Don't do something by yourself. And and, and here's why, because I didn't have to go do the stuff that killed me during Chase and Hunter, the accountant, the PL stuff, the, the, um, the operations of the business, the, the ordering, the inventory. I had to do that when I was at Chase and Hunter. When I came onto Midday Squares, my partners did the other jobs that I couldn't do and that would kill me every single day when I would do them. So when I was given that card to take my sector and my partners trusted me to do what I had to do, it felt like I was on a drug of life because I was doing what I'm best at. I was playing to my strengths. I was playing offense. I wasn't playing defense. And a lot of entrepreneurs, unfortunately, don't find the right teammates to do the other jobs that they can't do. And I understand it's not always easy to find someone, but you should spend time finding the perfect partner and and nothing's ever going to be perfect, perfect, but someone where they complement your skills in another sector. Because when I started to do my stuff, the accounting work at Chase Hunter, I would start getting into analysis paralysis, which was like, I wouldn't do anything. I'd sit there at the computer and be like, 
okay, okay, okay. Which, and then type one thing and then be like, I'm going to go which, eat a snack. Which you and, know to your, to your own instinct, you just didn't like it, right? Hated it. Yeah. Like I watch you, I watch your investing strategies all the time. I watch it. I'm interested. I like you as a person and you know, I'm intrigued by it. I don't do a lot of investment strategies. I'm really focused on midday squares at the moment, but I'm open-minded to learn, but I can't go focus my full attention on that if I had to every single day because it's not what I love. Delegating. What I love delegating. is to be out there. So you need to delegate properly and trust. If you don't trust, brother, you're not going to get anywhere because if I didn't like how Leslie was running the operation of the actual manufacturing and was questioning her every two seconds, we wouldn't get anywhere. You wouldn't no, grow. Exactly. So I trust her. So I trust my partners to do exactly what they said they were going to do. And when you build that trust, it's a beautiful thing because when things go wrong, they hold it, they're accountable. They take accountability for it and you could trust that they're going to fix it. The problem with a lot of businesses is people try to cross over each other. And yeah. when they cross over, they create animosity, tension and communication problems, which end up leading to partnership failures. Even if your family, your wife, your whatever it is, your, your boyfriend, whatever it is that you're working with, when you build that animosity, and you don't deal with it from a professional standpoint or, or, or figure that communication where we call ping pong with each other rallying, you're finished because it builds over time. And it, you know, we see a business therapist once a week, mandatory, the three of us together work on our communication because we went into this business as family first, then partners. You can't forget your family relationship, your friendship, but before your business, because Things get ugly when money's involved. Things yeah. get ugly when it's- 100%. It's, it's, 100%. It's, it's the whole psychology thing though. I feel like a lot of people, you see the thing is back tying it to the entrepreneurship, to the culture, to everything you're saying. The, the, the psychology aspect of how you operate as an individual, as a social structure, because your business is a social structure. Because it's yeah. a structure, it encompasses employees, management, and so on. There's a whole social behavior, which is your culture. So like you said, when you go out and you look for people, if they don't match the culture, it- it disrupts. It disrupts the social behavior or the traditional structure, which you can reflect it in every other way. But within a business, you have that social norm that you need to respect. And then because you guys are family and management, the psychology is even deeper. So you guys have to learn how to not step on each other while knowing when to step on each other. Exactly. You know, so it's it, no, a hundred percent, but I guarantee you guys had a lot of lessons you learned together. Oh yeah. Like I wanted to explore my, my sister once exploded on me like I've never seen in my life. Like she wanted to choke me. We were going to close the business. And then my sister and my brother-in-law were on the verge of a divorce. Let's keep that in mind. And they showed it publicly because that's the truth behind business. When they're doing work together, they're partners, and they go home to the same condo together, same bed, same chill. How could you not talk about the problems that are going on during that day? Why? Like, so they, I was able to always get out of the business zone at nighttime, spend time with my girlfriend. She wasn't associated with midday squares. She, you know, see my friends, play spike ball. But Leslie and Nick would go home every single day and see each other after work because they lived together. So they couldn't, they had trouble removing the business from marriage. And a lot of, a lot of media, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of blogs, they talk about family business, but they don't go deep enough to the, to the root of what actually family business is. Because you're right, it's so much deeper at that high management level and that if you don't work on it or figure a strategy how to work on the communication, because it's different communication than hanging out with your friends or, or your sister up, you know, up north on a Saturday. It's very different. It's a different way of communicating. You'll fail. And that's why you see so many family businesses 
go to the ruts and you see it every day because yeah, you your business is in general anymore. Yeah. And you know, I think that as an entrepreneur, I, I think if we went to work, if we went to some that business therapist every single week for the last two years, we wouldn't have lost it. We would have closed the business because it's too difficult. It's too much pressure when you're pressing that gas pedal and you're trying to do high growth really fast. Uh, manufacturing, dude, manufacturing is one of the hardest things. It's yeah. very, you know, very, I saw, I saw your expansion. I saw your expansion to that because yes, manufacturing, one of the biggest issues with manufacturing, as we see what traditional companies is your margins get squeezed. Very so you badly. have to, exactly. And it's a big capex. Yeah. And you got to get, you know, we had, we had to get our, we had to get our investors to believe in and buy into the, that we were going to de-risk the manufacturing because at the end of the day, you start, we spent $3 million on our automation, $3 million. And, you know, we, we took out a loan on that from the IQ Investment Quebec and BDC and it's got to get paid off. You know, like yeah. it doesn't just sit there, you know, you know, you, you, know, you got to make money to get it off. And the problem is, is you're doing very complex things, you know, because you're automating, you know, in food, it's very difficult to get every machine. If we, if we want to complete our whole automated line, it was going to cost an extra million. And as a startup, you just don't have $4 million sitting around yeah. to put in, inject into your manufacturing, which takes months to start up, years to create. It took mm -hmm. my sister a year and a half to customize these machines. Mm -hmm. That's why at the end of the day, when, we're, when we talk culture, our investors believed in us, in the storytelling, in the ability to do what we do best. They're they allowed investing, us to play to our strength. Yeah, they're investing in your brand, your, your storytelling. If you, right? don't, if you don't, if the culture which represents you guys as a business, doesn't continue to step forward. Like as, as investors, me and Dan, when I'm watching the market or I'm watching management and I see management starting to backpedal and to start worrying about mistakes and rather than focusing entirely moving forward, I start to worry. Now I feel like growth is going to start to become an issue. And now you're going to start dealing with a lot of management and internal problems that you're going to see a negative consequence yield from that development. But you guys with this new CapEx and you guys focusing, stepping forward, you know, the story and the culture remains fixed and you could spearhead it. It yeah, takes time. Yeah. It takes time to build something. Nothing All is rhyming. It's not, you can't rush these things. And, and, yeah. and we, when we started this, we were like, okay, let's sell this company in three years, call it quits, you know, like we're going to kill it, this, that. But then you start to realize, you know, that kind of growth comes, but it's, it's, it, 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 it's a lot of foundational work to build those bricks, man. It's not just, you know, snap of a finger, Snapchat exists and then yeah. boom, $4 million, $4 million, you know, doesn't there's work a like story. That. But that's, but that's also of, just how a lot of people think nowadays, mm -hmm. right? They just think it's like, oh, they only see what's out there and they're like, mm -hmm. oh, I wish I had that. You know what I mean? There's, there's like a whole other component. Yeah. It's like the, it's like the tip of the iceberg analogy, right? It's all it's, that blood, sweat and tears, all those sessions yeah. that you had with your family. Like that's not, People don't see that, right? But the fact that you're yeah. actually talking about that too, I think that just makes sort of the, your consumers want to be more involved with you guys and more supporting because you guys have a great product. It's like, pro, it's one of the best yeah. like funk, like protein chocolate bars I've had personally. I'm not just saying that. I've tried a bunch. You guys have a great product and you just got to keep building on that, right? What your brother, there was, a, there, was a, there was a thing I listened where your brother had said where he hated flavored chocolate. Okay, oh, that's what yeah. he had said that. And when he said that, I was like, wow, that is the biggest issue I have with protein bars. I, I have to force myself to eat them because I don't like the flavor. And I, I love chocolate and I love candy, but I have to force it my down. I have to force it down because I need protein. So in my head, I'm like, 
whatever, screw it. But I don't enjoy it at all. I have, I have not enjoyed And the only ones that I really would enjoy are the ones, and even then, it's extremely sweetened down with artificial flavor, and it's extremely high in sugar. Dude, that's what I'm saying. We, when we started, forget about the storytelling. Let's forget about the culture and storytelling. Let's talk about product. Go. We were given data. And I, I always respect data because 100%. Nick, my partner, is a nerd. He's very nerdy and you guys know data probably inside out because that's probably a lot of the stuff that you guys look into and analyze and all this stuff. But as a food company, when we started, my, Nick's cousin, my partner's cousin works for Smuckers and he, he had this data where he got us these reports, which they're public reports, but they're very expensive to get. And as a startup, it's, it's hard to find those. And it said that real chocolate, so anything above 60% cocoa mass was going at like 42% year on year. Don't quote me on the exact numbers, but around that, it was growing at 42% year on year. And that plant protein, which is not plant protein bars, but plant protein, like all the, the plant-based like alternative stuff like that, was growing 36% year on year. All we did was see that and make the baby between the two. Have a real chocolate bar that's made with real ingredients, real chocolate, and take plant proteins to add the functions, which is clean protein and fiber, and make it a functional chocolate bar, but not a protein bar. Because the protein bar market is so saturated with Very. hundreds, if not thousands, not yeah. tens of thousands of bars. You, if you go to a grocery store, the whole aisle is full of bars. Like what cereal was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it was the full aisles. Now what we did is, what's really hard is, we're trying to build the fresh snacking category, which is refrigerated snacking. So taking snacks that don't last six months, but they last three months, two weeks, four weeks, and building that out in Canada, because it's not here in Canada yet. It's very unusual to see chocolate bars or protein bars in a refrigerator at a grocery could store. You, it question quickly, could you freeze them? So you could if you want, but they don't taste as good. It takes the flavor a little bit away. Okay. Um, you know, what, what ends up happening is why they're refrigerated is because we don't use preservatives. We don't use any of that artificial shit that you were talking about before. We, we use real ingredients. And the problem with real ingredients is they go rancid. It's not yeah. that's unhealthy for you. It's that the rancidity taste is you start to taste literally rancid product. And who would want their customer tasting rancidity? So at the end of the day, we went after something that was, no one was really doing. There were, other than in the US, there's a lot of brands in the fridge, not similar products, but protein bars that aren't chocolate bars that are using flavored chocolate were in the fridge and they did a great job there. So we said, let's do that here in Canada. Let's rip Canada. And then let's head over to the US where, you know, the market's 10 to 12 times in terms of food space in the food mm -hmm. market. And at the end, it all comes back to before the storytelling, you need that product that actually makes sense. Kills. You can't have those GIF products, you know, like it's, you can't have a one hit wonder. And we launched with one product, one SKU, focused on getting the product out to as many people as possible, getting them to like it, learning the feedback and improving the product before launching a second SKU, a third SKU, a fourth SKU. People usually launch three, four SKUs at, at, at once, which doesn't make sense because you need people to it's understand a lot of capital costs too. Yeah. But you also, the beta, yes, like, like you said, the beta development, you need, you need to test your audience, test, see how the feedback is, test, see the feedback, test, see the feedback and do it until it makes sense. Then people, you know, it's a good thing you guys are patient because a lot of people are too rushed in a lot of their operation development. And that's where they tend to fail because they rush something and then their psychology, it's, 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 it's something you, you can see in almost in anything you look at in reality because of psychology, whether you're an investor, you're an entrepreneur, your relationships, no matter what, you see a way people behave in terms of short-term output versus long-term output. And a lot of people are so short-term fixated that 
they want the results so quickly that their mind is not focused on the long-term outcome. They just want the result. So they sacrifice, they forego proper due diligence, proper research, the process, the process. Yeah. they forego all that. And then they're, 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 they're pissed off or not satisfied with the result. Well, you rush something. That's what you get. You know, you're, you're, you hit it spot on because at the end of the day, like I used to get, um, these anxieties, I don't really have that much anxiety, but I used to get anxieties about little things in the business, little issues. Okay. I used to poke the bear all the time. I'd go to Leslie and Nick, I'd say to them on a Sunday, yo, what's going on with this? Why are we, why are, why is this not happening? Why is there no one fixing the issue with the sales there? Or this person's doing that. This influence is not talking about that. And I used to poke it all the time. Okay. And expect results like this, man, like that. And it drive me insane. It'd make me angry. Animosity build up. There'd be nothing done. And then my sister sat me down and said, there's a lot of shit going on. You know, we're, we're small-ish team. Now we're about 30, but we're small-ish. We don't have the resources that Kellogg's has or Quaker or Pepsi or Coca-Cola that could do all these things, spend $100 million on this, $10 million on that. We just don't have it. And you have to be patient and accept the patience. If you don't accept the patience, you're going to drive yourself insane to the point where you'll start having problems with your, your own productivity and your output because you'll obsess over it. And then when I started to become patient with it, I started to feel a lot better. I used to let, not let it slip. I put it in a trash can and we would deal with it one, one at a time, not a hundred at a time. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem with entrepreneurs. They want everything right away, right away, that's, right away. That's, that's project management, by the way. Block. What you just spoke about, that's literally the definition yes. of project management is understanding where do you have to focus your attention? Bef- you can't scatter your attention. You can't. It just never makes sense. You have to narrow in. I'm going to focus on this. You focus on that. We'll get back to that subject later on once this is solved. Because then you become too scattered in your head and you just then you feel a little lost. And that's it. And I think that companies forget uh, that, you know, it takes time. Things take time. You know, we're, this isn't playing like Xbox where you, you get killed in call of duty and you know, you, you respawn in two seconds. Can I ask you about the, uh, I want to ask you about the moment because this is a huge aspect of entrepreneurship. The moment where you as a guys, you three as a team decided that we're going to, you guys were going to cross over that line and really take that risk to make something big of this, because I know you guys had the discussion and you guys had that moment because you can't, especially in the operation you're building, the fact that you need CapEx, you need investors, you, you had to reach a point where you said, guys, we need to do something bigger if we're going to make this bigger. Yeah. So we, we originally, so when we started, our goal was $250,000 in revenue in our first year. That was our goal. Okay. Okay. And for me, coming from a small business, I was just like, oh my God, that's not even possible. Selling $3.99 in chocolate bars, there's no chance in my head. So I, I actually doubted my partners at the beginning um, because again, I wasn't ready to join this team. I, was, mm-hmm. I wasn't ready for what, was about to, what we were about to embark on. And then I started to see the sale. I started to see things happening. Like we hit our goal in, in two, or two or three months. I can't remember when we hit it. Right Fantastic. away, we hit that 250. It was wow. crazy. And then we said, yo, this isn't about money, man. This isn't about selling the company. This is about building Nike for, for chocolate. And what I mean by money, that is yeah. Nike, Nike built a brand that's special. They built a brand, not about a shoe. It's not about a shoe. It's about way more than that. And Saputo did a great job in Montreal building a brand for putting Montreal on the map for dairy. They yeah. did an incredible job. But and now they're, and now they're they the number one global what, cheese company. But they didn't do what Nike did. And from a community standpoint. Yeah. So what we wanted to do was have people 
come for the chocolate, but stay for the story and do what we do to help entrepreneurship. My goal is to disrupt every way possible, the way that marketing is done from, an, from a business in 2020 to show that you could market by telling the truth and telling real stories and showing it is a way more powerful tool than throwing up ads here, throwing up this, showing that your products, the benefits are this, 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 that. Man, yeah. No one wants to hear that 10 yeah. times. Yeah. No one cares. We crave stories. We crave realness. We crave authenticity because there's none of it in our world right now. Well, I want to get, I want to go, go down, go down. What, what, what Jake, what you guys started doing though. And I remember this because I, 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 I saw like you made the announcement, you know, the first midday square bar was out of an apartment. I think it was Leslie's apartment and you guys were just like, yeah. just crammed in this area and you started out with the sample program. And I think that this, and, Again, I th it's just incredible the growth that I think I've seen, you guys have seen, but you use the, you, the, the sample program was such a big success that it showed that there was demand for something this real, right? There was yeah. a demand for the market. So the first rule is the trend is your friend. You use the data, you identified it, you attacked it, you execute it, right? That's huge. Most people don't want to take the execution, right? That's the scary step too. I think the, That's the hardest part. That's where the risk comes in. Exactly. I think the other part though, is when you got to that first goal, you probably realized in that moment, you're like, shit, dude, I don't think we set our goal high enough. Right. Mm -hmm. Did that, like, what, what are you guys doing? I guess, or when, when, when you hit that mark, like what really flicked on and just said, like, I need to go all in into this. Right. Cause so, it is the storytelling, but you were able to document that. But what really struck a chord for you, man? So we, we all decided one day we're like at the beginning, like I said, the goal was to sell the company, build it to sell. You're so obsessed with the money aspect. You're so obsessed with like the, when are we going to hit 10 million in revenue? What, what point? So folks that then we dropped that, not to say that that's not going to be on the table one day, but we started to love what we did yeah. and, and, and start to enjoy the process. And I, I, it sounds so cheesy, man, but start to enjoy every single day, the opportunity that we have and what we could do on what we could do to customers, how we can make them feel. And we started to really scale the humanization of the brand at that point at the 250 mark, where we decided that we were going to treat everyone like human. And this is, this is, this is the easiest secret that anyone could do. No robots when you speak to our customer service. It's a person that's willing to chat with you for 45 minutes if they want. They don't care. You're, it's a mindset here. There's no department. You call each other's phones or forwards to 100 different phones. It's all the people <laughs> that are working in the business that understand the culture. Like I hop on the call. I'll sit there. People are talking about their career and teaching for 45 minutes. I'm sitting there laughing. We're having the time of our lives. We didn't even talk about the problem that the person had. Yeah. You know? So I think when you start to humanize the brand, you start to win because human to human interaction at yeah. all points, retail, customer experience, you start to win because you already said it. You have the product market fit. The sample program showed us that we had the product market fit. It showed that people were willing to put their credit card down for 25 cents, even though it was cheap at the time. They were willing to commit, try, and then if they wanted to repurchase, it would be a 12 pack and the repurchases were high. So, even though we weren't optimized, our margins were terrible. We were, we were losing tons of money, burning. We're still burning tons of money. Um, but our margins are increasing now a lot more. Good. We started to scale that humanization prospect and start to realize that we need a real team here. We need to start building and going guns blazing. And again, offense, not defense. When Always. you start to think offense and yeah. you play to win, That's you're the not penetration. going into a, Exactly. And companies play on defense. They don't play to win. They play not to lose, which is a ridiculous mentality. 
You can't so when do, you decide you, to yeah. No, we go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. We said, yeah, but we all, all, all that came was we said, we're going to play to win and go guns blazing, full throttle, till this thing becomes what we need it to become. And that was it. You know, I think that the fact that you opened your doors up to be completely trapped, which, by the way, like uh, one of the aspects of looking for good culture is looking for accountability, transparency. The fact that you guys provide that transparency and accountability because the fact that you guys film yourselves 24 seven, you guys are an open book. You, there's no need for defense. You have nothing to hide. If you have nothing to hide. There's nothing for you to defend. You can go pure mode attack, run, just kill, killing it, spearhead everything. You, it, it yeah. sharpened your edge and now you're penetrating the market. So I applaud exactly. you. Like I said, honestly, from a, from an analytical perspective in terms of, behavioral component in terms of the way your culture is, the management, it's all, I, the, I would give you guys checks. If I don't know the love, numbers, so I'm not, I'm not going to talk that, Dude, uh, but fundamental terms, analysis here. I love it. But in terms of, <laughs> yeah, in terms, it's true because as a startup company, one of the biggest, one of the biggest components to an analysis when you're looking at a startup company is who's the management, what's the culture, Dude. how transparent, how transparent is it? How much accountability is there? That's the number one thing you're going to look at. You guys checked it. So, and if you're, if you have the vestors you have, if they see that, I get why they're in it. Listen, dude, I, at the end of the day, like we, we've, we've lost an employee on a staff retreat, man, uh, to a tragic accident. And we shared that with the, with our community right off the bat, because we didn't know if we were going to continue business, just not because of that, because we were so hurt yeah. um, by what happened. And our whole team was there because the staff retreat. And, you know, we posted about it because, Again, our customers need to know what's happening in our world. And they showed up to help us manufacture. Our customers decided to come in, help us package the goods, get the stuff out. Because again, retailers didn't at the moment, just, you know, they said, so sorry to hear this, but we still either want your yeah. bars or we, if you can't buy them, you can't supply them. And that's business, unfortunately. Yeah. But they came and they showed up. And I think that that's what happens when you build a real community. You have a strong culture, like we talked about this, this podcast. And you have a product that people actually enjoy eating and telling people about because, or sorry, consuming in, in other businesses, it doesn't just be food. And I think that also like at the end of the day, like you can't be afraid to spend, you know, we made some big hires in June this summer, um, May and June. And trust me, COVID at the beginning was rough for us for the first month. We lost 65% of our retail sales, which is really high. And we pivoted to online and started building a 50, 50 business. And now it's remaining at a 55, 45, which is what we wanted to actually be at the beginning part. But what I have to say is we made big hires and were we necessarily able to afford them? Not really. But again, the mentality comes, you want to hit that next goal, guns blazing. You believe yeah. in what you're doing, give it your all. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And you can adapt, have to be okay with but at least, and at least you tried it, right? Yeah. That's, but, that's the key. It's better to actually do something, fail at it, and yeah. then come back to the drawing board and, and say, hey, at least we yeah. tried that. And we know that that doesn't work, right? The, the ability to adapt to whatever decisions you make is your biggest hedge. So if you, can't, if you go into a decision, but you don't account for the fact that, well, I can't adapt from that decision consequence. But if you know you're able to adapt from any decisions you make, there's no way you, can't, you can stop. You can't stop. And, and I just think that people are scared and I can't do it with fear, man. I really can't, you know, like we, we always tell people if you're coming with fear here, forget about it. Don't, don't show up. The door is there. It's open. You could leave whenever there's no gun to your head. You know, there's, 
we don't want fear in our company because fear doesn't always drive the right thing. Sometimes it's okay. It will give you a little zets, but that week when we lost 65% of our retail sales and we have tons of bills to pay, let me tell you, we have 30 staff on salary. We didn't lay off any single person because that's our culture. That's who huge. we are as individuals. Good job. Yes. That's that huge. was a big, we pivoted to have our two highest months ever in sales after that, because we didn't sit there sulking for a month. We turned right away and we said, how do we fix this? We decided that we're going to hire an online team right away. Digital ad buyer, software developer, get them on board, start optimizing the website, creating the better customer experience, focus on that. And guess what? It worked. Not so that it will always work, but at least have your plan and execute right away. Do not exactly. stay in that analysis paralysis. Perfect. You know, a lot of companies that I know, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, that's like a perfect example of taking a crisis, because this is what this is, and making the best use of it, right? Because most people, like you said, when there's a crisis, they go into defense. You guys just went offense the whole way. And there's the, the stats are there now. Your last two months, the best ever, right? Yeah. And usually the summertime is not great for us because, you know, you're in barbecue season. You're eating like meats, uh, beers, whatever. You're having not chocolate healthy protein bars. You're not eating that, right? So yeah. what was interesting was we went offense right away and we, we pivoted to online, but we, we didn't. We didn't, we didn't disregard retail. And what I mean by that is we took our resources out of retail and said, you know what, we're going to accept that the consumer habit right now in this crisis was that people were working from home. They're staying home. They're having longevity products. They're not eating grab and go or impulse purchases, which is what we are. We're an impulse purchase. We're a grab and go item. You know, you eat it when you're on the go, you're going to the gym, you're going before you're, you're hungry at your office. You were eating midday squares. We learned that the customer was changing their habits and going to bread past as health, uh, you know, vegetables, fruits, making that kind of stuff. And we said, okay, we're not, that ain't going to change for a bit, except that it's not going to change because you can't change consumer habit when there's something going on in the world. It, it's just, it's, it's almost impossible unless you have tens of billions of dollars to do it. You can't just go put money in people's pockets and say, go, oh, go, go back and go buy, go buy your grab and goes. What we did was he said, people are at home. They want convenience. Let's get them the product to their house. And that's what we did. We optimized the fucking online program. And we acted and a lot of companies don't do that. They play the defense and they wait it out. They yeah. look for the government help. We didn't yeah. take any government help. Um, actually, we took that $40,000 thing because it, it just made sense. Well, it, take it, right? It's 10, take it. You're, you're, you're growing it, you. too. You might as well take advantage and of that. Plus you held, you kept your employees. So it's not like you, you know, like take, like there's no way I could, you could even be judged for that because you, you put it to work. You put it to work. All I have to say is, Play offense, stop playing defense, and do not play to not lose. That's the worst strategy yeah. an entrepreneur see, can do. That's, I don't care how hard it is. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be just entrepreneur. That's even investing. You don't play to offset a loss. You play to win, to, lo to focus on your next win. If you play yeah. to focus on your, la on your loss, you, your whole psychology is already screwed up. Because yeah. you're not focused moving and forward. You're, you're focused on the past. And, and I don't like to throw shade on, um, you know, people that are, are, are doing nine to five jobs because there's great nine to five jobs out there, like incredible ones. Don't get me wrong. But I have a lot of people I know that are doing something that they don't like to do and they're just doing it for the sake of doing it. And I hear about it and I'm like, dude, like, or, or I'm like, wake up and, and go to your offense. Stop just waiting, waiting on the, you know, waiting on the world to end. Does it make sense? That's, everybody you know wants, that's why I think everybody's jealous of people that do well like you or entrepreneurs that go on and try to, it's because 
it's as if they assume that inherently because the system is so much more comfortable and safer that somehow everything's going to come to us now. But the, we evolutionary wise, fear was either one of two things. It either crippled you and you died or fear a lot made you push forward into the darkness and you found light and then you evolved and you became stronger. It was one or one or the two. So that's why you pushing forward into the fear aspect of things. It either drives you or it cripples you one of the two. And it's okay to hit the bottom too, man. Like I hit the bottom uh, a month and a half ago, um, myself personally, um, because of, you know, you know what this COVID is very anti Jake as a car anti Rover, let's just say it's very anti Rover because I was all about human interaction events, mm -hmm. meeting people, going to my buyers, you, investors, you feed off all of that. that fun stuff. You feed yeah, off that's of my, that. my drug. Yeah. That was my drug. So it's very, I, I was the, originally when it first happened, I was the most positive guy firing everyone up, getting the engines going, holding the team together, doing the whole nine yards. But then it started to all kick in. Like everything started to kick in that, you know, unfortunately, like I can't control other humans, you know, right. and I need them. I need the other humans. I need to be with them. I need to hang with them. It's not about socialization. It's just about feeling the energy and, and yeah. building our brand the way I was doing before. So I hit rock bottom and I didn't know what was going on in my life. I was treating people badly, people around me. And I was miserable and I went through it. And then I finally just said, fuck it. I went to my, 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 my therapist, the business therapist. And I said, dude, what's going on? And he's like, it all makes sense. This is, this was the, the COVID was the tipping of the iceberg for you. You were, you were falling down the, the mountain and then the mountain just fully collapsed and you hit the bottom. But you know what I did? I said to myself, you're right. It makes a lot of sense. And I got back up and I started to do things because you could still do things. You can still figure things, creative solutions. You don't need to think and just sit there. But I was scared because I didn't know where I was. But fear drove me to the darkest point, like you said. And then I built myself back up from there. And slowly, I, 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 I'd say another two months, I'd be back to myself. But I'm working every single day on little things that help me build that character who I was before. And that, that allows me to be that product, the productive person that I am and that I have to be, you know? So it's like, it's okay also as entrepreneurs to fail within your company. And I, and I think... I think that's so important too. Like I, this also comes from a maturity aspect and I've, I've worked on this and you've obviously shown you can work. You've worked on this as well. I know Nick's worked on this as well, but the moment your self-awareness kicks in of you saying I'm at a bottom, I have a problem. Like, I'll be honest. I had a drug problem. Okay. But I identified it and I said, I have a problem. I need to fix this. If you're able to do that and it's applicable to anything in life. Right. And you just, you, you, it's like, I'm feeding off of this now because it's so true. Like you identified it, you talked about it, and then you went and you attacked it and you had a plan of action to go for it. it I think that's you. so, so important, man. That makes everybody, that makes you, that makes me, Nick, like if you're able to figure out a problem that you have, say it out loud, say, I have a problem. I need to figure this the fuck out and then attack it with like a plan, do a full 180. Like that to me is Courage and maturity, man. But like, if I don't you know. own it, that's huge. If you own it, there's nothing to defend anymore, right? There's nothing to exactly. be afraid of. There's nothing. Nobody can attack you. I know who I am. I exactly. know what it's huge. You can say it. You can bring it up. You can criticize me. You can judge. I don't give a fuck. Why? Because I'm <laughs> yeah. not on there anymore. I'm way past that shit. You're focused on my past, bro. You're lost. Really you're lost. not even looking that's on the right horizon. I think that's a really important piece, especially just, just, to, just to life in general. Like the moment you're, you have a problem, just say you have it, write it down and then pivot. You know what I mean? So that I applaud you for that, man. That's huge. And I
the type of guy to hide. I was the type of guy that I'm always that fun dude, you know, like the, the wild guy. And like, how could I fail, you know, type of behavior, ego problem thing. And <laughs> when I realized that I was like, you know, I'm being rude to people around me. Like, I was like, yo, something's wrong. Like something's there. Like, I, I'm not that guy that doesn't say hi to people in the morning. I read my book every morning. Um, I'm actually reading Passion Upon Me right now. Um, and I read a book and I sit there and I would usually like in the past, I'd say hi to people. And then this time, last two, three months, I was like ignoring people because I, I didn't want to say hi to my, my coworkers, which is against our culture. So I realized it was an, a real big issue and my partners did too. And I had to speak to every single person about it and tell every single person in my company that I'm working on changing this and I, I know what's going on. And, and I find and that also, like, that, builds, that builds trust and that builds character. You know what I mean? If you're able to tell your, your, you know, your employees, your whole team about this, I think they trust you even more now, right? And I see a manager coach too. At the end of the day, my manager coach, Jay Sider, shout out to him. He's, he's a guy that I see once a week and I work on things like this, how to communicate that message to employees. Because again, you, even though our culture is very family oriented and close knit and all this stuff, you got to be careful because again, companies, there's very sensitive things that go on and you, you know, again, they're your best friends, but then sometimes they're not and you got to be very careful, right? So you, again, communication, I think is one of the single handling most important skills that an entrepreneur must have and must work on at all times. It's like, you can't just be amazing at it. You have to consistently work on it. It's a, it's a lifelong process. It's a lifelong thing. Look, there's three, look, I, I, I did a thing. So I wrote a book during COVID and it was all about optimizing social structures. Okay. So with the premise of it is how do you optimize a social structure, especially with the way things are nowadays. So the premise, there's three foundational pillars that apply to optimizing any social structure. One, it's the centerpiece of it is education, making sure that you're educated enough to understand where you need to be aligned in order to move forward. Then there was uh, governance. So how do you, how are you accountable to each other? How are you transparent? Who's running you and making sure that you have the right leadership to drive forward as a social structure. So you had governance, you had education, and then you had, uh, wow, I just blanked on that one. <laughs> you forgot what it is. It's my even thing. It's your, it's your book. Governance. Bro. Yeah, I know. I just blanked. We're so full. Governance, uh, education, and oh my God, I blanked. I can't believe I just blanked on my own goddamn book. <laughs> we're gonna buy your book. We're gonna buy your book. We're, well, you'll you'll, I... you'll you'll make you'll make up for that. It's okay. It yeah, happens. It, happens. it was okay. Well, it's... the best of us. Governance, education. <laughs> Don't worry, man. What? It happens. It happens. It happens. How it happens. Did I blank on that. Okay, well... Anyway, <laughs> uh, Jake, I think what's really cool, man, is you guys are all out going all in on this project. Um, I'm excited. I'm gonna try the new bar. I have to. I'm gonna order it oh, this week. Love it. What's love What's one thing right now? Oh, that I, that's why it was communication. You even said the word. You even said it. That's why it was the communication. <laughs> wow, it was communication. So the fact that you said communication is what triggered it. It's because if you can't communicate among management, among employees, if you can't figure out what you need to do, how to solve it, what needs to be solved, everything falls apart. It collapses. There, there it is. But yeah, so Jake, back, back to what you're saying. Jake, Jake no, <laughs> seriously, like what, what's, what's one thing that you would leave someone who's ready to start their own business with? Like what's, what's that one thing apart from not being fearless, apart from, you know, just being yourself, apart from acknowledging, like what's one other thing that you would say 
that most people would be like, well, I was not expecting that. I think we lost them. Did we lose them? I think we, we did. Still, we still on there? Oh, no. Well, anyway, Nick, we're still on here right now. All right. So what's one thing, apart from the stuff that we talked about, that you would tell a young entrepreneur like yourself or, or, or you know, like me and Nick, who's just starting off? Like, what's that one thing that they would not expect anybody to say? What, what's that first thing? Wow. Pressure I know it's a loaded question. I know it's a loaded question, a, but like, cause I don't want to say what I said before. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give me like a one, give me like 10 seconds. Um, <laughs> live straight up, enjoy living. And, and, and I'm saying that because I'll tell you why as an entrepreneur, if you don't enjoy what you're doing and I'm not talking about the process, I'm talking about um, life. Um, you can't give it your best in what you're doing. You know, when I, when my sister wasn't doing well um, at, at one point in the company because of other issues um, that were going on in her personal life, she wasn't well at work. She wasn't giving it that 100% that you need to do. And if you can't figure out how to give that 100%, um, it's not going to work. Your, your journey isn't going to work. You know, there's serendipity and luck and all this stuff that plays into entrepreneurship and successful entrepreneurship. But if you're not living and actually living you're not going to get anywhere because it's going to build up and come back at you and it, it hits everyone you know you could get so caught up in in the world of business and then one day it could all get smacked down you know it happened to the person at tom's it happened to so many great entrepreneurs um that if you don't live it ain't gonna work i'm telling you and that means finding things outside of just your business um you need a personal brand not you can't have just the, the, the I, business i agree with you entirely on that one it's hard. And, and, and usually I like to say things like, you know, like my thing would be like getting comfortable with the uncomfortable is my biggest thing. That's like my biggest, biggest thing. But now that I really think about it is you need to be your best yourself mm -hmm. to be your best in your business. Yeah. Do you get it? It's, so it's, you're, you're the individual. You, you, you're the individual. Your psychology is what interacts with everything else in the world until you yourself are truest to yourself Every other interaction that you have in your external environment will never be truly perfect because your own state of mind is yet to be perfected. Yeah. The individual is the center to everything. It's the center to everything. So like Jake is not defined by midday squares. No, not at all. Jake is Jake. Jake yeah. is part of midday squares to help it grow. But Jake is still Jake. And that's what my psychologist helped me realize is you need to accept if midday squares were to ever just disappear. And you'll be a lot better off because your anxiety won't be preventing you from, from growing in the company. Do you understand? Because I always said, yeah. what, if doesn't, what if we fail? What if this doesn't work? You know, like, and it would hinder my abilities because I'd, I'd start acting different, behaving different. But when you start to be comfortable and, and content with yourself, you start doing a lot better in your workforce. You, a lot you have you development. I'm telling you right now, you could see, I could see you as taking advisory roles related to marketing helping branding, because that is where you could specialize yourself in regardless of midday or not. You, Jake, as a character, as a brand, you could take an advisory role in companies and help them with that. If let's say midday never succeeded because exactly. you have your midday is an ecosystem within ecosystem in midday, you can find Jake, but Jake has his own ecosystem yes. and Jake is the pinnacle of his own ecosystem.
Exactly. So that's all I have to say to every entrepreneur is find your Jake or find your, your, your Nick, find your Daniel. If you don't have your Daniel, Nick, or Jake, your ecosystem of whatever company X is will never work because that's, yep. that's it. And that, that, I find, that's the, I find that's there's simple. like, like, like you said before, the nine to five, I find a lot of individuals, lawyers, I know, I know plenty of accountants, a lot of people, the nine to five job, they're not defined by anything else other than their job. After, other than that, it's okay. Well, I like to party. I like to drink. And then it's like, okay, but who are you? Well, I don't like, there's not much else to you. You guys, are, you guys are chirping the nine to five. I'm one of those, but, <laughs> but to Jake's point, to Nick's point, it's all about what you said, build that ecosystem, that personal brand. Like that is huge right? Jake knows me as like the stock guy. And like, I guess, you know, among other things, just like the business finance dude that's talking about that stuff all the time. And I've taken it upon yeah. myself to kind of be that person, you know, and I'm not, I'm not afraid to be who I am anymore. It used yeah. to be like that, you know? Cause so, oh, I send, I send your stuff to tons of people and they go, yeah, I already, I watch them for the same reasons you do. And I was like, that, that's so, that's so great. <laughs> like, I never tell you, I should tell you to be honest what people say and they say great things and they respect you. Cause again, but you're not, to me, you're not defined as only the stock guy. You're not because you're defined as that guy. I know that plays hockey, that loves hockey, has passion for things and puts a full hundred percent effort into it. So, you know, that's where I think the beauty is. And I hate that people come up to me and say to me, oh, they only talking about midday squares because at the end of yes, that's a huge portion of my life. Huge, huge. And I love it. Don't get me wrong. But there's so much more, man. There's so much more that I, I put effort and time into and resources huge. that that is the only reason why I can give my, my Jake to the ecosystem of midday squares or to whatever ecosystem, your nine to five ecosystem, whatever it is. I'm, I have nothing wrong with nine to five as long as you're doing what you love. Um, exactly. that's, that's all. Always do what you love. I want to ask you one more question. So this go is going to go back to midday. What is, so now that you guys have done this CapEx development, you guys are focused on growth now. What is midday's new vision? What is your vision now as midday squares? The whole idea is to build the biggest chocolate, the functional chocolate industry. And I mean, that is we want to become the next modern snacking company, fresh snacking. And we want to live in the fridge and own the fridge space for snacks only under chocolate. And just like Saputo did for dairy as a global, as a global brand and putting Montreal on the map for food and cheese and dairy, we want to do the exact same thing for chocolate, functional chocolate, not lint, you know, not, not, not Camino, not Kit Kat, not Nestle. Functional chocolate, midday squares, everything square formatted. Okay, perfect. That's huge, man. I mean, we but, could, we, we, yeah, go ahead. But one last thing. An important thing is what's building within the midday squares company is a whole media company, which is even crazier. I see the blogging aspect of what you guys are developing. I get it entirely. Like I've, like, I've, I've been following you, watching your stuff. And honestly, I'm going to, way I'm going to portray you as an example is this David Portnoy. Yeah, <laughs> I love him. That's exactly how I'm going to relate you. What he does for his company, you're doing with yours. Everything is open book and you portray yourself. Everybody within your company has a character. The company's a story. The product is a story. You can, people can pay you through your product, but they follow exactly. you. They follow you through the, the, the blogging and the company development. It's very simple. Our next, you know, our next raise, you know, it's going to be very CapEx on media and uh, not pushing product building community yeah that's what it is and that's through media and you need a strong arm for that producers showrunners videographers full-time photographers you need everything you need build, what fashion companies yeah. do but in food build the network the money will always come yeah and that's it boys i i, I appreciate you guys having me on the show man uh, it was a great it was a great you know roundtable conversation 
um, you know, we, I, I like these kinds. Um, I really think they're, they're more productive than anything because you get, you get details out that just like aren't typical questions, you know? We, we, we got to get you back here. We'll get, yeah, Leslie, 100%. we'll get Leslie and Nick on as well. I know you guys yeah. just launched your podcast too. So congrats on that. That's huge. But, um, dude, we, we appreciate you so much coming on, sharing your story. That's not easy. You know, like you're, and you guys, I, I, I cannot wait for the next like 10 years of midday squares, to be honest. The like, you're going to be part of that journey forever. <laughs> you're an OG. Daniel's an OG with us. You're a beauty, Jake. By the way, Jake's a goalie too. I was a goalie also. Weren't we on the same beer league team last year before COVID happened? <laughs> yeah, we used, we used to get smoked. We got absolutely clobbered because we were focused on building our own dreams, man. It's exactly. okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> but anyways, you guys, are, you guys are rock stars. And, and Nick, you need to try the product, man. I, need I, you to try I, I, I promise you. Look, I'm gonna, as soon as I, uh, I want to send, send you my book. And then when these things... No, no, I don't care. I'm going to send it to you. Uh, and then uh, where here in the East End can I get it? Tao, St. Leonard. Yeah, you know St. Leonard. You know Tao, Marcheteau? Oh, yeah, of course. I live five minutes from there. Yeah, go to the <laughs> fridge there, in the fridge Okay, there. perfect. Done. Okay, you guys rock. Kozel, I love you. Nick, love where, you too. Where, where can they find you? Oh, uh, Avril, Toe, uh, Mandy's, IGA's getting it, and all of IGA's by September, Metro, um instagram always, yeah instagram <laughs> always look in the fridge that's it baby jake yeah, thanks so much for coming up thank you jake thanks guys take care all Ciao. right see you soon buddy